Hello, and thank you for listening to the Wrangling Waves podcast in partnership with Timothy James and Partners. I'm Elliot Arwin, and in December 2023, I'll be rowing 5,000 kilometres solo and unsupported across the Atlantic Ocean, raising funds for the British Heart Foundation. After six years of being in and out of hospital in attempts to control various arrhythmia, in February 2020, I was fitted with a pacemaker. In each episode of the podcast, I'll give a brief roundup of how the journey to the start line is progressing and have a chat to a guest for them to share their story. Thank you so much for listening to episode two. This week, I'll be joined by Ali Turpey, a friend I've met through New Wave CrossFit, a gym that has supported both me and Ali over the last few years. Ali and I actually met through lockdown when Ali was running 10k a day for mental health just as we were all allowed to go out for that one piece of exercise a day. Ali really is the epitome of infectious positivity and enthusiasm and this continual positivity, this continued smiley face, this continued enthusiasm he has for life and people around him come despite the number of speed bumps along his life so far. He's someone who I'm incredibly fortunate to call a friend and I'll certainly take inspiration from Ali's journey so far into my journey to the start line and beyond across the Atlantic. I hope you enjoy my chat with Ali and I'm sure in some way it will inspire. So my training for the last six weeks has been focused around strength, endurance Uh, trying to get some big numbers on the ERG, extending out those sessions to two two two-hour pieces a day. Gus, aka Ocean Ready, has had me on the rowing machine about eight hours a week with strength training one and a half to two hours twice a week. Now, something I've noticed a lot since starting with Gus over a year ago is I've matured into most of these sessions. I've, When I started a year ago, I was trying to hit the big numbers that people like Duncan Roy, aka Rowing Roy, were putting up on the ERG. But it took me a while to realize that these guys had been training specifically in this sport for two, three years before that. And I was just brand new into it. But being the competitive natured person that I am, I was trying to hit those big numbers. Really trusting the process with Gus over the last year, I'm finally starting to grow into some modicum of maturity on the rowing machine and as such really starting to see this process pay off. With regards to the boat, I will be going out to see Mark Schlatz at the end of March to spend a weekend with him on the training boat. Uh, My boat won't be arriving till July now. I've uh, we'll talk to Mark and upgraded to a fully carbon Nomex boat, so much lighter, much more responsive in the water. Whilst I have to wait a few more months, I think it will definitely pay off in time spent uh, crossing the Atlantic. But it will still leave me enough time to train throughout the summer, hopefully on the south coast somewhere, getting that mandatory 120 hours and hopefully a lot more in the boat, learning to live on it and use all the instruments, water maker and manage the electrics properly. Thanks again for tuning into episode two. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Ali. Right, Ali, I was trying to, when when I was thinking about doing this, I was trying to remember when we actually first met in person. But uh, obviously we'd seen each other around, we'd seen each other by around. At the gym. At the gym. At the gym. (laughs) At New Wave CrossFit. We, being a very competitive gym, both I think being very competitive people, had noticed each other's... Be competitive? Uh, potentially a little bit. 
Um, seeing each other's results go up on the board, who's lifting heavier, you being new, obviously I'm keeping an eye out. I don't want to like be knocked off any pedestal I may or may not have put myself upon. <laughs> um, that never happened. <laughs> but at the same time, we didn't meet in person until through middle of lockdown when we were allowed to get out. And I can't remember who exactly put us in touch, but uh, tell us about our first encounter. So it was um, on 10K Turpy. 10K Turpy. So explain what was, what was the, how did 10K Turpy come about and what... So... 10K Turpy was an initiative that I started to run 10K a day with someone because we weren't allowed to run with any more people. So 10K Turpy was run 10K a day with a different person every day for 28 days. And that came about because, sadly, my dad committed suicide um, and then... Uh, mate's girlfriend actually committed suicide just weeks before lockdown and there were no warning signs and I just thought people were going into the lockdown in potentially a bad headspace so I wanted to help people and yeah so yeah and I ran on you one of those days yeah so the idea I guess we had an amazing day out we ran up Box Hill yeah I think we ran 10k and you said that we had still a one kilometer left to go and you were like can we just walk the rest (laughs) you said that (laughs) (laughs) um so an amazing initiative look got people talking lots of people watching on Instagram you managed to reach out to 28 people, more people in person. And the feedback you got and the, the amount of money you raised was yeah. in, incredible. And let's just jump straight into what happened soon after that. So I finished 10K Turpy on the 3rd of December. Just a week later, on the 10th of December, I suffered a stroke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I only wanted to jump in quickly and not, yeah, to, yeah. not to dismiss... <laughs> Anything that you've already mentioned, the importance of suicide, but it's this compound of you reaching out to people with the initiative of raising awareness around mental health, and that was most of the conversations you were having, as you said, all of the the conversations you were having around no warning signs coming from someone who tragically decides to take their own life. But do I mind you asking, how old were you when you were um, 16. 16, so, so incredibly it was, hard it was, age. was bang smack in the middle of my GCSE two weeks. Yeah. So. That's um, ways heavy, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, for anyone who thinks that, that we're, we're trying to brush that aside, by no, no, no means, no, no, no. I want to know this, of course, is something that happened in the past, and it's something yep. that you have dealt with incredibly well over the last 15, 16 years of... Thanks, mate. Of, um, well, I've only known you for the last few, but <laughs> I, I can tell that you've dealt with it incredibly well. But come the end of 10K Turpy, yep. having a stroke, yep. let's just go straight into what happened during that. So I was um, working loads. So I was working during my 10K Turpy time. I wasn't furloughed. Um, um, but I was in a taxi back on the way back from work. It was late. I would maybe worked 28 of the last 48 hours. Late at night, the taxi picked me up and 
were having small talk the whole way. As you do. Yeah. In December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stratford to Cobham is quite a long journey. Yeah. Um, Go all day around the M25. Yeah. 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 Halfway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the taxi driver dropped me home. Then I was asking if he could drop me to Liv's, my fiance's family home. So he stopped there. I ran upstairs, had the stroke. It was like instantly having... So when you say had the stroke, did you know at the time you had no, had the stroke? No, 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 I, I didn't. That's quite important to point out. But I just felt this overwhelming feeling of 10 pints instantly hitting you. So you're feeling inebriated or, or drunk yeah, yeah. Or, or dizzy? Yeah, dizzy and disorientated. Disorientated, yeah. Um, and then I steadied myself, got the rest of my stuff ready, because I was actually going to do another 10K with my friend Ian and went back downstairs. And when I got in the car, I couldn't speak. Did you have any inkling in coming down the stairs, getting your stuff ready, that that was going to happen? Did you then suddenly say to the taxi driver, I'm ready to go, and what happened? So I was trying to say, take me to KT13-0RF. And this incoherent noise came out of my mouth. And were you conscious that that was a noise? And you, you, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was aware of everything that was going on around me. I remember the night so clearly. Yeah. But this incoherent noise just came out when everyone would try to say something. Yeah. So acting fast, face, arms. Yeah. Speech? Speech and... For fuck's sake. <laughs> but not the only one. Yeah, yeah. And, and... Tremors? No. 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 Time to call an ambulance. Time to call an ambulance. So, time to call an ambulance. Yep. Did the taxi driver act fast? Uh, no, he didn't. I was there for about an hour before I communicated to him via Google Maps where I wanted to go. And then I woke Liv up by shaking her and then she acted fast. Wow, so that's quite a long time. And I believe that there's a certain amount of time for drugs to be administered that is incredibly important, which is how long? Four hours. And how long did it take you to get to hospital to have those? Four hours and about 10 minutes. And so longer than suggested. And so what was the prognosis once you came round, the doctor spoke to Liv? The prognosis was verbal apraxia and aphasia. So in essence, I couldn't speak. So it took me the best part. The stroke happened on the 10th of December 2020 and two and a bit years later, I'm speaking like this, not perfectly, there's always room for improvement, but I can hold a conversation. Yeah, well, far more than hold a conversation. So, uh, I mean, I think you've you've brushed over it so quickly as to the prognosis given by your doctors was, your mum was told... Yeah, that I'd never speak again. That you'd never speak again. I mean, incredibly devastating. So there's three main people in in the doctor's room, yourself... Yeah, I, I wasn't there, actually. Okay, wow. Um, I wasn't there because it wouldn't have been good for me to hear that news. No, okay. <clears throat> I've never been dealt bad news by a doctor before, but he 
pulled my mum and Liv into his office or whatever, into a room. And he said, I'm really sorry. The stroke's really big and your son may not ever talk again. So, yeah, that was, um, that was devastating for my mum and Liv to hear. Rightly so. And how long did it take them to give you an inclination that that is what they thought? And did your mum believe that? Did Liv believe it? How? Because knowing you and having got to know you, at no point would you have taken that for an answer. Even if I know, and this is something that is incredibly admirable about you, is never take no for an answer. Yeah, yeah. It's come at you, and we'll discuss what you do for work, being it's not a non-verbal career. So doing... What were you doing for work before? Uh... Um, so before the stroke and after, I was a director for BT Sport. Um, I direct things like Champions League, National League, Premier League, um, all of that. So, so it's not that's a, a lot of verbal job. Very instructive. Yeah, yeah. Camera three, please. Roll on. Yeah. Roll on. Yeah. <laughs> Have to be quick on the tongue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Almost. Um, but that, going back to, again, getting to know you, like how to deal with something like this. And now the awareness that you'd raised and the, the amount of publicity you had garnered through 10K Terpy and yeah. the outpouring of support for that and you wanting to raise money for mental health was then really paid back so to speak oh. when when your family went out and your brother went out to say look we need to teach Ali how to speak again yeah. and of course you not taking no for an answer everyone knew that every penny donated to helping you pay for speech therapy yeah yeah I mean you, you had a full-time speech therapist yeah yeah not in eight hours a week eight hours a week yeah, yeah to pay for the best speech therapist around. I think she's won awards as you as, as a uh, shout-out to... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Lisa, Lisa Harris. Lisa Harris, yeah. yeah. Um, won awards for, for the, the, the turnaround. But I think, whilst, of course, Lisa takes credit, you need to take massive credit for the fact that don't take no for an answer. And I think it's um, so indicative of now what you're doing with the dedication to 15 minutes of exercise a day. So what what are you doing at the moment, Essa? So this year I'm doing, um, I'm recording a free workout, one dumbbell for 15 minutes. So six times a week for the entire year. Huge commitment. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, and and talk to me a little bit about how exercise has helped you and you still managed to, to be as physically fit as you were previously? Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky because had my, going back to the medication that they gave me, I was thrombolized. And if that had been delayed by any more, I've already got a weak right hand, comparatively strong to someone like you, um, but relatively weak to me. And if that, I had that medication any longer, I may have lost my right side because, yeah, I, I just don't even want to really think about that. So I was incredibly lucky to not be um, disabled and exercise has just done so much for me. I really feel that it's made me, it's given me an opportunity to clear my head and tackle my speech therapy every day 
So yeah, it, it, it's just amazing. Yeah, I think it, it's very easy to say that when something like this comes along, it's what you make of it. But the actual execution of that is incredibly hard. How would you package what gives you inspiration to carry on going? What, what made you sit and try and say cat a hundred times? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you say eight hours a week, that's eight hours a week in person. Yeah, yeah. That's not eight hours a week of practice as well. So people like Liv and your mum helping you learn to speak again. Yeah. I mean, what, what were the... Uh, I think a major breakthrough was the uh, the rap that you did. What was the yeah, rap? Yeah, yeah, Loic Do you want to give us a quick bar? I've got a lot of love, a lot of loose ends, a lot of people that I wish I knew then. And that was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, but I, th- I think it's hearing you speak now as yep. well and people hearing you speak for the first time, yep. not seeing that journey, it's like nothing has happened. Mm, I, I don't really think you can say nothing has happened, especially if you knew me before. But I, I struggle to think of my feet and I struggle when people uh, surprise me. So say, for example, I'm walking down the escalator at Rose and someone walks past me and says, you're right, mate? And I've not seen them in so long. My small talk is desperate. Is <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's... Um... The positivity that you have and the energy that you bring to New Wave coaching, because now coaching a bit at New Wave as yep. well, and doing the 15-minute workouts, it's so infectious. And I would say there's no one, no one who has as an infectious energy as yourself. Where does that come from? Was it like, were you like that before the stroke or before lockdown? And, <laughs> Or was it even more? Was it even dialed up even more? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it could be anymore. No. Um, to answer your question, I've never been asked that before. Um, probably not. My stroke gave me an insight into how lucky I am. Lucky to talk again. Lucky to be able and ready to do any exercise. And I think people are very quick to forget that. So you had a near-death experience with your heart. Uh, It's funny because it's always what we make of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, there are people and there is a, a certain attitude that would have written off speaking ever again, being told not to speak ever again. And obviously dealing with trauma in, in so many different ways, we can't, of course, criticise them for, for saying that I'm, I'm never going to speak again. But at the same time, some, hearing stories like yourself is so inspirational to anyone who may have had a, a small speed bump in the health lottery yeah, yeah. To, to pick up again and make something of it. And it's funny, when I was in hospital, and I, I don't know if whether you're the same, it's I found often the people around me, my friends and family, found it a bit more of a, a drama than it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as in, especially Paula, my other half. Yeah, she yeah. was like, um, when I went to the hospital with, with a, my SVT, yeah. my heart rate was racing at 200 beats a minute plus for two hours, three hours before they could get it back down again. And they told me they had to keep me in. Yeah. It was what it was. But yeah, yeah. Paula was incredibly annoyed asking them to bring me home <laughs> which is like 
unfortunately not not helpful yeah, but yeah. at the same time it shows that they care and yeah. that's their that's Paula's way of saying I really don't want you to be in this position yeah but I knew for myself that I couldn't worry about this it was yeah. happening and therefore just rolling with what was going on was the only way to deal with that I don't know do you find that the same? Well, yeah exactly the same I was just like this has happened and that maybe served me quite well because well, I think the first stage of being recovered is accepting. And as soon as I accepted my stroke, I was ready to recover. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I guess that is, a, it's a little bit like grief, right? And so, yeah, yeah. They tragically already been through the grief cycle. And yeah. did, I mean, when you were 16, did you speak to someone about yeah, the yeah. grief cycle? I was so open. I almost enjoyed the care that everyone was giving and all the attention yeah. and uh, yeah i mean it's not a weird way to speak about it, but do you think the grief cycle you went through with your father helped yeah. you with the grief cycle absolutely. Of your yeah absolutely and it's um when people talk about having a something happen an interjection into their life whether it be good or bad it's experience that allows you to be and now obviously the word resilient gets banded around yeah, quite yeah. a lot. But learning how to be resilient can come from a set of trauma or an interjection in your life that has caused you to run through this cycle of acceptance and then being able to then build from that. And then it's also incredibly tricky to think about how something that has been incredibly traumatic at the time has laid a foundation to recover from something traumatic in the future. Yes, but I think of things, everything, in two ways. You can either let it bring you down or you can let it propel you to heights that we didn't even know we were able to reach. And that's not going to be easy either way. And I just think that every cloud, it sounds so cliche, but every cloud has a silver lining. My dad died, me and my brother and my mum came inseparable. And I wouldn't change that for the world. Of course, I would like to have my dad back. But my brother and my mum, I'm so close with. And the stroke, you either, you're faced with two options. You can either talk or not talk. It's simple as that. Yeah. And I know which one I'd rather to talk again, obviously, yeah. and help people through hard times that are also going through the strokes or any illness. So if we think about going back into those interjections, those sets of trauma, these are all forced upon us. They're things out of our control, so yeah. to speak. And the way that we interact with them and the things that we learn from them, whether it's being something that draws you together closer as a family or makes you realise that actually talking without talking, it's yeah, pretty yeah. rubbish. I mean, I don't, take, don't take talking for granted. Yeah. As you say, you can either talk or not talk and you've made the decision to work at it eight hours yeah, a yeah. week plus. But I think it also talks to us about failure 
in business or sport or anything where you don't achieve what you thought you were going to achieve because then we can learn and look at it as in two ways. Oh, I didn't manage to achieve this. That's annoying. And therefore, I'm going to be upset and grieve that I didn't succeed. Or we learn. Yeah, and I, exactly. And learning is not just about, for me, it's not just about learning how to do something better like when you drop a snatch on your head when you're trying to beat me in a competition. <laughs> it's not necessarily... That happened. <laughs> that did happen. Yeah, that did happen. <laughs> it's not necessarily about learning the snatch technique. Yeah, yeah. It's learning the mental aptitude to be able to go back and practice your snatch yeah. 10, 15, 100 more times so you can go back to competition and beat me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so what, what I say, I say is the health failures that we've had can translate over to, and I definitely see it in that work, etc., and yeah. take every single thing that happens with work, whether it's someone retiring who's been with you for 25 years, yeah. on one hand, oh, we've lost 25 years of experience in the business, we can dwell on that, what are we going to do? Or we can say, this is a fantastic opportunity to get someone new in, relook at the way we do things, and turn everything on its head. And for example, doing 50 minutes of exercise and coaching yep. is, not, is probably doing more communicating than you would in your old job. So that was like the next level of speech therapy for me, coaching, because you stood in front of 20 random people. Some of them know your story, some of them don't. And it's about communicating it in the right way, coaching it in the right way, so I really enjoy coaching. I really enjoy the workouts. I just want to help people. That's what I've come to. That's my goal in life. Amazing. Talking of people who don't know your story, how do you tell people? Because you don't come across as self-conscious about your speech at all. <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. Like, I, that's why I got into the podcast straight away. Ali, just tell us about your stroke. <laughs> no, I'm not, obviously, because I think I would be self-conscious, but you don't seem to be at all self-conscious about it. Um, I don't really know. So the I, answer is probably you're not self-conscious at all. No, I, I've, I've definitely had tremors of self-conscious moments, but doesn't everyone? Yeah. I would be, I just substituted my speech and ways of communicating, um, whereas before, before my stroke, I would have been conscious with my top off, for example. And now you look great with your top off. <laughs> but that's a byproduct. Yeah. of the things that I'm doing to give my best chance of recovery. Yeah. So eating clean, eating all my supplements, um, having a high-protein diet, training, and yeah. I think health is, that is something that we all take for granted of how much more likely you are to live yeah. if you're fit. <laughs> yes. And that sounds ridiculous. But, but I don't <laughs> think many people know that. No. As in, if we have a stroke, your heart rate races at 220 for four hours. Yeah. You, you're much more likely to come out of this yeah. if you are in a 
trained state, i.e. are fit and healthy and eat well. I mean, fortunately for me, my, and I'm sure it's the same for you, that the plumbing of my heart was in good nick. And that is the only reason why the electrics going wrong could mean I could come out the other side. If if my electrics are wrong and the plumbing's wrong, it's going to find the leak in the plumbing. I I actually remember, because we just met in lockdown. Yeah. And... I actually found it incredibly hard to even reach out to you because I knew that the sh- a stroke can be a result of atrial yeah. fibrillation. Yep. So atrial fibrillation. I was tested for that. Yeah. Yeah. So atrial fibrillation being one of the arrhythmia that I have. So when your heart flutters, the the blood doesn't flow properly in some areas, so it creates eddy currents, a bit of stagnant blood. As the stagnant blood clots, yeah. that clot can then leave your heart and cause a stroke. Yeah. Also even though we were incredibly close for that 55 an hour run yeah. obviously that was opened up to each other on the run but at the same time we just met so and then i was like wow gosh this is really close to home yeah yeah but i don't feel i know him well enough to to say look i feel bad and like now what do i do so <laughs> it was so hard and then i think the first time i said something was actually when you were already back at the gym yeah and yeah sorry for that that wasn't long <laughs> don't worry about it Al well how long was it until you back I on? did the open uh, because it was still Covid times lockdown I did the open in late Feb late Feb did you wow yeah wow scaled obviously because I was so unfit you're still scared eh? you <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Elliot it's such a joker <laughs> Are you doing the Open this year? Yeah. CrossFit Open for everyone who doesn't know is a global competition of everyone, yeah. every CrossFit gym in the world that uh, does a workout once a week and you get ranked with every other single person in the world. Yep. And if you're in the top 10% of any region, you qualify for the quarterfinals and then the top 20 of each region get invited to the, to the semifinals. Okay, it's way above our station, so... Well, I'll... My aim is to qualify for the quarterfinals. Amazing, yeah. Which I did last year. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, I want to play some middle of the pack. Makes me want to do the Open, just quit, yeah. quit the rowing training. <laughs> Don't know what Gus, my coach, would think if I was like, by the way, Gus, I'm going to be throwing around heavyweights, might injure myself every Friday <laughs> for the next four, four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's a big goal. Yeah. Big goal. Um, and just to live, this is going to sound shit as well, cliche, but just live my life as I have been doing for since my stroke. Because I'm so thankful for life in general. And I guess that's where my enthusiasm comes from. You were like, it's infectious. It is infectious. Um, but that's where it comes from. I'm just so happy to live another day. Yeah, that's golden. I think that's an amazing place to finish. Thank you so much for listening to episode two with myself and Ali. I hope you found his story inspirational in some way. I certainly draw inspiration from it every day. If you'd like to support my campaign, please head to wavewrangler.co.uk to find out more or follow at wavewrangler underscore UK on Instagram. Thanks very much and see you next episode.